0: Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. So do you remember exactly where you were on 9-11? You remember some of those images behind me? You know what 9-11 really taught us. It taught us that we weren't prepared for that kind of attack. And that's what I want to talk to you about in your personal life today. I want to talk about you being prepared for that kind of attack. Now, this message is more of a teaching sermon, so it would be really beneficial if you took some notes. I think super helpful. Another thing that 9-11 revealed to us was that not only were we were not prepared for this kind of attack, but we weren't really ready for that kind of warfare. We didn't know who the enemy was and we didn't know how the enemy was going to attack us. And it is so important in our spiritual battles and life that we lead, that we understand who our enemy is and how our enemy is going to attack. That's why for the last couple of weeks, this is a third part of a, an installment in a series called Be Strong, because we wanna understand our enemy. We wanna understand how our enemy attacks. And if you're new with us today, if you're a guest, I wanna welcome you to Pathways Church, because I believe that God is doing something among his people to prepare us for battle, for battle. You know, we have battles of discouragement and battles of delays and battles of of disappointment and dead ends and denials. Life is so hard. Life is difficult. Life is tough for all of us because we are in an unseen, invisible war, It is all out war on every single human being when it comes to your soul and my soul. The devil himself wants to take you out. He just does, plain and simple. In fact, I I love how C.S. Lewis, he puts it this way. He says, there is no neutral ground in the universe, Every square inch, every split second has been claimed by God and counterclaimed by the devil. Meaning that there are only two forces in this world good and evil, light and darkness, God and Satan. There are only two forces. The, the darkness that is against you, that is the spiritual battle that we face every single day. Every single day. Now, today what I wanna do is I wanna prepare you for the battle by talking about the kind of equipment, the kind of armor that God has prepared for us. And the Bible's very, very clear about us. I mean, we would never send our Marines out to warfare wearing a swimsuit and flip flops, right? So the same is true. You, you can't go and do spiritual battle in a pair of shorts. Like you you got some armor that God has prepared for you. Now, last week we talked about one of the pieces of armor. We actually talked about the only offensive weapon that God gives to his followers. Do you remember what that weapon was? What was it? Say it, say it out loud if you remember. The sword, sword of the spirit, sword of the spirit, yes, And uh, here's what Paul writes. He says this in Ephesians chapter six, verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Last week, we talked about how Jesus won in the wilderness, how he used the sword of the spirit. Every time the devil had tempted him, he used these three words. It is written. It is written. It is written written. The sword of the spirit is God's word. It's the offensive weapon so that you can take the enemy down and you can fight when he attacks you. So what is the sword of the spirit as related to the believer's life? Well, it's this character quality. It's your maturity. Everybody say maturity. The sword of the spirit is your maturity. Now, what is maturity? Maturity is not just, you know, having a Bible on your shelf. It's not just hearing a lot of good biblical teaching. Maturity is knowing how to use God's word, the Bible on the day of attack. For our purposes, our study purposes today, let me give you a definition of maturity. Maturity is the ability to use the word of God against the devil. Now, Paul was writing Uh, one time to a group of believers in the book of Hebrews and these individuals had been following Jesus for quite a while. And uh, just because you've been following Jesus for a number of years, just because you've been a part of a church that has good biblical teaching, that doesn't mean that you're mature in the word. And being mature in the word, first of all, is being able to use God's word when the enemy attacks you. Well, one time Paul was writing these believers in the book of Hebrews, and he said, you guys have been like doing the Jesus thing for a while, but you're immature. In fact, let me read his words to you out of Hebrews chapter five. He says, though by this time, you've been in this for a while now, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Can you imagine hearing that? Like, ooh. He goes on and he says, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature. And here's the definition of maturity. Who by constant use in your chair time, opening up God's word, allowing his truth to penetrate and change your thoughts and your mind and your heart, who by constant use have trained themselves. And you can train yourself. This is personal growth. You can use the offensive weapon in your daily battle. As you do that, you grow in your maturity. And here's the second part of maturity for the believer. To distinguish good from evil. So if you're watching Fox News or CNN, or you're on social media, or you're talking to your friends, or you're listening to to a playlist, or you're watching a movie, a part of maturity is not just winning the war against the devil when he attacks you with a temptation, it's also being able to distinguish between what is good and evil. So when you hear an idea, you can say, that's foolishness, that's wrong, that's not compatible with the truth of God's word. Or you can say, yeah, that's right, that's moral, that's ethical, noble. That's a part of God's character and his design for human life and relationships. Maturity is saying, I can distinguish between good and evil and when the enemy comes at me I have the offensive firepower to win in the wilderness. Amen? Now, listen, friends I have to say something to you that is very, very important. Listen in. The Bible does not become your sword until you memorize it. It's not just good enough to take your Bible and have it on the shelf and say, yeah, I know there's you know, 66 books, Old Testament, New Testament. I get it, yeah, I got it somewhere. We, we kind of talked about this last week before God's word can be on your mouth, it has to be hidden in your heart, according to Psalm 119, right? So, until you begin to memorize, listen, the mo- my opinion, the most underrated Christian practice is the memorization of scripture. And I get it. I'm with you. Especially as I get older, it is harder to memorize things. And everybody said, yeah, amen. It's hard. I just, I struggle with that. Listen, Do not let the devil beat you up about that. That's one of his evil schemes to get you from memorizing scripture. Learn how to counter that. I don't care if you put it with lipstick on your mirror, women. I don't care if you put it on a note card, old school. I don't care if you set it on the background of your phone. I don't care if it's in your locker. I don't care if it's in your car. You gotta surround yourself with scripture so that it gets embedded into your heart. You just gotta memorize it. One of, one of the, the practices uh, since I was a teenager was learning how to memorize scripture. Our youth pastor took us through a course. It was called Take Pride, Personal Responsibility in Developing Excellence. And we had to memorize scripture. Those same scriptures are still in my heart. And what I've done is just built on the knowledge of the word. Now you might be new to faith. You're thinking, so you want me to memorize the entire Bible? no, 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 no. no. But you do need to memorize the verses that apply to the areas, the battles that you go through on a consistent basis, right? So one of the little resources that I have on my desk at work is called God's Promises for Your Life. So in the table of contents, there's uh, areas, like when I'm going through this, grief or pain or suffering or temptation, or when I'm struggling this way, or when I need God's power for this area of my life, or when when I'm, whatever it is, relational conflict, my marriage, I'm sick, you know, finances. What it does, it kind of organizes around those topics, and then it selects a number of verses and puts them in this little book. Now, you can have this at work or, you know, Look at this. You can go out at connect. We have some volunteers. Georgie will be out there and you can take a picture of this and order yourself one. Or you can just use your smartphone and say, I need a Bible verse four, right? Leverage the technology. I, I need this. This will help me. And then begin to take that verse and just read it and, read it and read it and read it and read it. And you watch. God, by his spirit, will pull that to your mind in the moment of battle. That is the kind of Christian maturity that Paul is talking about when it comes to the only offensive weapon that he's given to us, and that is the sword of the Spirit. Now, if you're just joining us, maybe you're online today and you're watching, you found this on YouTube, there's a core passage to this teaching series around Be Strong. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to invite you to turn there with me because I want to read a couple of verses to you and just kind of lay the foundation for today's teaching. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes these words in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We're going to talk about putting on the full armor next week. It'd be one of the most important sermons that I do this fall about how to put on the armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Last week, we said that we're all born into a battle. You're a part of this invisible, unseen war. You were born into a battle. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter where you come from, what color you are, how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you were born or you even remember 9-11. There is a battle going on for your soul. You were born into a battle. And can I just tell you that the enemy doesn't really care about your words and your thoughts. Your thoughts and your words do nothing against the enemy. But God's word, God's thought, when you begin to drop scripture on the enemy, all of a sudden he begins to shake because he knows he's defeated and he's going to turn and he is going to run because at the name of Jesus, at the truth and the revelation of God's eternal word, it just tears down strongholds and demons flee and the battle begins to dissipate. You're no match for Satan. You trying to take on Satan is like shooting a rubber band at a battleship. No effect, no impact at all. And here's the reality. For many of us, we think that we're fighting against our boss or our coach or a teammate or our spouse. We think it's like a flesh and blood battle. If I could just kind of fix all these people, have you ever thought that? Probably didn't say it out loud, but if I could just fix everything out here and get everything right, then I would be okay. When in reality, Paul tells us in, in uh, verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your mother-in-law. It's not against your father-in-law. It's not against your ex not against these people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the bad news is that you were born into a battle. You wanna hear the good news? The good news is that you were reborn in Jesus Christ, adopted into his family, so that you could win every battle that comes your way. God just gives us this kind of body armor, this kind of body armor. So what I wanna do with the time that remains in this message, I wanna read the next five verses and I wanna break them down so that you can understand the different pieces of equipment that God has given you to prepare yourself so you can dress yourself for the day of battle. Now, let me just give you a little background on this passage. Paul's writing, He is the most famous prisoner in all of Rome, okay? So he's writing, he's under house arrest, and everybody in Rome knows that Paul has come. Why has he come to Rome? Well, he's making an appeal to Caesar. He's at the end of his ministry. He's done his three missionary journeys. He's uh, 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 he's written these letters, which comprise of more than half of our New Testament that we hold in our hands. He has uh, he's raised up thousands upon thousands upon thousands of followers of Jesus. He is just. He's just taken the gospel and he's revolutionized this good news for all people in all places. So now the church has impacted Rome and and Asia and Europe and it has gone out from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria to the uttermost fulfilling Acts 1.8. And Paul's at the end of his life. He's making his appeal to Caesar and he is chained to a Roman soldier 24 seven. And as he's chained there, he thinks to himself, you know, kind of looking up and down the soldier and he says, hmm, this would make a great lesson about spiritual warfare. I need to write this down. He was that excited. He screamed just like that. He said, whoa! He was pumped. And then the soldier was like, rawr, rawr. and Paul got out his whatever writing utensil and started jotting this down. Here are the five verses that he writes down. Therefore, verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, And with your feet, fit it with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So let's break these down. The first piece of body armor is the belt of truth. This is the full armor of God, the belt of truth. Have you ever seen a power lifter wear one of those belts, those big belts? You know what I'm talking about? They usually, the power lifters are just, they're, they're, their body's a little different. They usually kind of have like a big big stomach, right? And big legs. They're the guys at the gym that carry like g- gallons of water around. And the, and the lid is all messed up and it's real dirty because they've been drinking it for like five years. And they grunt and they walk around. They, they talk to themselves. They got chalk and they're just, And they kind of smell a little bit. They're power lifters, right? They're not the posers in the mirrors like, ooh, look at my tricep. Do I have that horseshoe? They don't care about that. They're just trying to move weight. You ever see them put on that belt? They put on that belt. Why? For stability, for support. It strengthens their core when they go to lift some really big weight. So Paul what he does is he draws a parallel to this and he thinks to himself, well, the first piece that we need because a Roman soldier would always put on his belt. That would be the, the first piece after he'd have his, his shirt on, his, his pants, he would take and he'd put on his belt. That belt is called the belt of truth. Let me show it to you, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, what what truth is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about your integrity. The belt of truth is your integrity. Everybody say integrity. It's your integrity. Now, what is integrity? Integrity is wholeness. Integrity is integration. Here's what integrity is not. It's not, I have my social life and my church life. I have my secret porn addiction. I have my, my, my party life. I have this life. I have this and this. That, and, I, and I act differently in all these areas of my life. That's not wholeness. That's not integrity. If, if that's you, that reveals that you're struggling with integrity right now, because you're not the same person in all of these areas of life. That's actually disintegration. Integrity means wholeness. It means you're an integrated being, a follower of Jesus, and you're striving to live to be the same person in every area of life. And what Paul says is that you need to put on that belt because when the enemy comes your way, it allows you to stand firm and to have stability in your core so that when the attack is there, you know that you are a person full of integrity. You can stand. You have integrity. It's the belt of truth. Now, what's the definition of integrity? Integrity is living and doing the truth. The truth according to whom? The truth according to God. That's why you have the sword of the spirit. It helps you distinguish between good and evil. The second piece of body armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Look with me at the second part of verse 14. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, Paul says, you got to put on the breastplate. Now, what does the breastplate, imagine, question, what does the breastplate protect? Your heart. Your heart is the most vital organ of your body. And according to scripture, your heart is the most important thing to God. God cares about your heart. That's why scripture says, uh, human beings, they look at outward appearance, but God sees the, uh, guard your heart, 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 heart. God is so into your heart. And that's why Paul says, you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your heart. Now, here's another piece. What is righteousness? What is Righteousness. Well, righteousness indicates the purity of your heart. Well, when you say, God, I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's as if you are saying, God, I want to put on and make sure that I have a pure heart. The breastplate of righteousness is your purity. Everyone say, Purity. purity. It's your purity. It's your purity. Not only do you need to have maturity to know how to handle the the devil on the day of battle, and not only do you need integrity living and doing the truth, but you need to have purity. And here's the definition of purity as related to your heart. Purity is having godly motives. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The Pope's not perfect. No one is perfect, okay? Only God and God alone is perfect. But to have pure motives means even when we have ungodly motives, uh, when we have cloudy motives, when we have dirty motives, we say to God, God, would you please forgive me? Purify my heart. God, keep my heart. God, I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness because the enemy knows if he can get your heart off center, you're a goner. That's why the enemy loves to attack us with impurity whether that's sexual impurity, whether that's lust or adultery, whether that's status impurity, we get materialistic and greedy. We, we, we forget about what it means to be generous and kind. Whether that's, that's social impurity, we, we begin to surround ourselves with people that tear us down and bring us down. We're not bringing them up. They're tearing us down. That's social impurity, social media, everything that's going on. Listen, the devil loves to get us into traps, into schemes of impurity. Jesus says it this way about a pure heart. He says, blessed, blessed, Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Blessed, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Why? For they will see God. If you want to be blessed in your family, if you want to be blessed in your marriage, if you want to be blessed in your, your job, blessed in your finances, blessed in your friendships, if you want to be blessed in your activities, if you, if you want to be blessed, then, then you need to have a pure heart. You need to have purity of heart. So not only do you need maturity and integrity, there's a sense of purity that you need. Here's the next piece of equipment. Next piece of equipment is the fitted shoes. The fitted shoes. Listen to verse 15. Paul writes these words. He says, and with your fitted feet, your feet fit it. I said fitted feet. That doesn't make sense. With your feet fit it, how do you fit your feet? Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. A Roman soldier, on the bottom of their shoes, when they would put on their shoes for battle, they would have these things called hobnails. Imagine like cleats, okay? A player, the the Packers are gonna play today. They're gonna run out in the field. They're gonna have cleats on, right? Why? So they don't slip. So that when they're in the trenches, when they're in the battle, they don't lose their balance, so they can make a cut, so they can run that route, so that that linebacker can get after Tom Brady and break his collarbone. Okay, that's not very Christian. I apologize. I'm not even a Packers fan, but man, Tom Brady, can you just retire, please? My goodness. All right, right? Now, somebody said, yep. Uh, somebody right now is watching from Tampa and you're like, I'm leaving this church, you know, a bunch of suckers. Now, you would never, a Roman soldier would never go out wearing a pair of Crocs to battle. Right? I don't care if they were camo Crocs or not. They're not wearing those. Because you start fighting and all of a sudden you're slipping. So, Scripture says that we as believers, we, we need to have these fitted shoes, our feet fitted with the readiness of, of the gospel of peace. See, fitted shoes represent the quality of your peace, of your peace. Say peace. 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 It's this kind of peace that, that Paul's talking about, and he's talking about it in the context of our relationships. There's three kinds of peace when it comes to our relationships. First, there's peace with God and there's peace with myself and then there's peace with everybody else. There's harmony with God, there's harmony with myself and there's harmony with everyone else. There's this sense of peace. Peace is experiencing healthy relationships. Now listen to me, this is very important. If you have high levels of relational conflict, high levels of relational conflict over a sustainable, over an extended period of time, you open yourself up to satanic attack. And the enemy loves conflict and confusion because it leads to chaos and destruction. And the enemy is not afraid of you. And while you are born into a battle and you're reborn to win the battle, the enemy is afraid of who is in you. That's why when you make peace with God through Jesus Christ, scripture says greater is he, Jesus, the spirit of the living and resurrected savior, greater is he that is in you than he, the, the, the enemy that is in the world. There's a sense of, whoa, peace. Imagine for a moment, if you woke up in the morning on most mornings and you had peace with God, you had peace with yourself and you had peace with people around you. Don't you think your joy would go up every day? Yep. Don't you think you'd have less pressure and anxiety and worry? Yep. Don't you think you'd have a little bit more satisfaction? You bet. Why? Because you had peace. Now, where do we get that peace? Well, here's the answer to that question. Psalm 119, verse 165. I found this scripture uh, for the first time this week, diving in and studying the word. I love this. Great peace have those who love your law. Great peace have those who love your law. And what's God's law? It's his word, it's the Bible. And nothing can make them stumble. Do you see when we put on the, 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 the shoes? Fitted shoes bring peace. Where do we find peace? In his word. The more you read and meditate and pour over these scriptures, the more God's truth, the more of his peace, begins to fit your feet so that you can walk through this world knowing that God is good, that God is in control, that God has you and everything about you in this entire universe in the palm of his hand. It's his peace. It's his peace. Psalm 119, 165. That would be a fantastic verse for you to memorize. His peace. So you need this maturity and you need this integrity, living and doing the truth, purity. You need peace. Peace is living and speaking peace. Now, here's the next piece of body armor. It's the shield of faith. Listen to verse 16. Paul writes this. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith represents your certainty. Everybody say certainty. Certainty. What is certainty? Certainty is trusting God's promises even when everything is going wrong in your life. Certainty, when you take up the shield of faith, what you are saying is, I am certain. That's a defensive position. Why is it defensive to pick up that shield? Well, the scripture tells us because the enemy is firing flaming arrows at you. You ever had a flaming arrow come your way? Yes. You better have that shield of faith. Because the shield of faith is your certainty to say, you know what? I'm gonna believe in the promises of God. Now, the old King James version said it this way, not the flaming arrow, but the fiery darts. You can extinguish the fiery darts. That means it's gonna hit the shield and go out. Why? Because that shield of faith is your certainty and the truth and the promises of God. What are the darts? What are the fiery darts? Well, it's the dart of doubt. Did God really say that? Is this book really what, what Pathways teaches? I mean, is it really relevant for today? Come on. Like, can you, can you trust God? It's the, the, the dart of discouragement. The dart of discouragement. You're never really gonna change. It's not gonna change. This world's just getting worse. I mean, come on. Look at, look at your relationships. It's just, yeah, the same old, same old. It's discouragement. It's the dart of defeat. See, you're not good enough. See, the enemy, the accuser, it's the dart of defeat. You're not worthy. You shouldn't go to church. How could you go and sit at that church and act like you know God? I know you. Those are the fiery darts that the enemy shoots our way. And Paul says, we need to have the shield of faith. Now here's the last piece. And I believe it's the most important piece. It's the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. Listen to verse 17a, it says this, take the helmet of salvation, implying put the helmet of salvation where? Where do you put a helmet? Over your head. Why? Because it guards your head. If you get a wound, if a Roman soldier got a head wound, that soldier is lost, okay? It's the helmet of salvation. You know what the helmet of salvation represents in your life? Your sanity. Anybody ever feel like you're going crazy? Oh yeah, yep. I just saw a little girl raise her hand. She's sitting next to her grandparents. She's like, yeah, I go crazy. Her grandparents were so great. I thought they were gonna raise their hands. Uh, you, you, Your sanity. You say, well, Adam, why do you believe that this is perhaps the most important piece of the armor of God? You know why? Because the battle begins where? In the mind. You know what's amazing about scripture? It's amazing that scripture just proves the point of all of recent and historical psychology. All psychology tells us that everything begins with a thought, which informs our emotion, which then drives our behavior. And God says, I want you to put on the helmet of salvation so that you have a renewed mind. If you have salvation, then you have the power and the victory to win the battle. If you don't have salvation, if you're outside the family of God, you're no match for the enemy. You're just not. Because your heart's not new and your mind hasn't been transformed. In fact, scripture says, when you come to Christ, now you have the mind. This is a promise from, from the word of God. You have the mind of Christ. Isn't that cool? You can think like Jesus. You can have his thoughts and his attitudes. And when you have a fleshly or a human or an Adam attitude or whatever it is, then you can take that, you can capture it and you can make it obedient to Christ and say, that's not you, Jesus. That's not what you tell me. I know I can't go that way. I'm sorry, forgive me. Give me the strength. I'm gonna put on my helmet. I'm gonna, listen. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what you think about. Say this with me. I can control my thoughts. You can control what you think about, what you meditate on. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, think on these things, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, think on this stuff. Like meditate on it. That's why I have to be careful about what we put in our ears. I think another part of the helmet of salvation is not to guard our thoughts. A thought doesn't come a thought sometimes for most of us unless we got something going in our ears that shouldn't be going in our ears, right? Like be careful of what you're binge watching. Be careful what you're listening to. All that stuff that gets in your head and that begins to warp your mind. Scripture says a seared conscience. Make sure you have the helmet of salvation. Okay, so next week is perhaps the most important message of this series and maybe of the entire fall because what I wanna do now is I wanna talk, today we talked about the equipment of God. N- next week I wanna talk about the energy of God. How do we put on this for battle, okay? Okay. How do we put this on? All right, with that being said, I wanna invite you to um, bow your heads and your hearts with me. If you're online today, if you just pause, you're watching this post, you can just pause to wherever you are, whoever you are. And uh, my prayer this entire week, you know, I got up this morning a a little earlier than normal. I beat my alarm clock. I was so excited about teaching God's word today. Because I felt in my heart that, you know, for many of you know, I was raised in church and we would talk about the armor of God. And uh, we talk about the armor of God and, and uh, it, sometimes it was a little over-spiritualized and I didn't really, I didn't understand what it meant for my sanity, what it meant for my peace, for my purity, for my integrity, for, for my certainty, for my maturity. I, I I, didn't know what that really meant. And as I was studying this week, as I was putting this message together, I just, I, there was just such a love for, a renewed love for this body armor. It, I just, I was like, wow, God, this is so amazing. And you know what's amazing? When you stop and think about it, you start thinking about maturity and you think about integrity and you, you think, you think about purity and peace and certainty and sanity. You know who that is a picture of? That's a picture of Jesus. He, he was the, the person who was the most pure. He was perfect. He had so much peace in the midst of his mission. He didn't sidestep the cross. He know he came to die for you and for me. You, you talk about certainty. He was so focused on the mission that God had assigned to him. When we learn how to put on the armor of God, what we're doing is we're saying, we're putting on Christ, Christ lived through me. You're my shield. Jesus, you're, you're the ultimate sword. Jesus, you're the helmet, you're my salvation, I put you on. You give me peace. Friends, if you're living in chaos and in conflict, only the peace of Christ can truly calm and rule your heart. You can't buy it, you can't find it in this world. It only comes through Jesus Christ, trust me. And so if you're here today and God just illuminated, he just brought some new things from his word to you. You saw perhaps the the, 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 the armor in some fresh and new ways. And, All of a sudden, you're listening. You're thinking, man, I'm kind of hungry. I want to know more about this. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this week. In fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. The armor is just kind of coming alive to you. Anybody? Yeah, raise your hands. You can put them up. Yep, yep. Yep, all across this place. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, I pray for individuals who are hearing the teaching of your word. God, you're renewing a sense of of this body armor, the full armor of God. Speak to them this week, God, I pray, speak to them. I want you to look up here just for a moment. All of you, we'll go back to prayer. In the seat next to you, or you're sitting on this little resource, if the armor of God has come real to you in some fresh new ways, we made this little bookmark. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to put it in Ephesians chapter six in your Bible. And what I did was I just attached the the element that corresponds to that piece of armor. And then I I put a little uh, question for you. What I want you to do this week is in your chair time, I just want you to work through the armor and I want you to ask yourself this question. If you want some additional conflict, uh, conflict, content, some additional content, not conflict, uh, but but content, I shot some daily doses prepared for this week. If you don't know what the daily dose is, every morning at 7 a.m., we drop fresh content on YouTube, Facebook. Make sure you capture that. And what I'm doing is I'm taking a little bit deeper dive into each one of these uh, pieces of equipment. And then you can watch it. You can read through this. You begin to meditate on this. And the next week, we're gonna talk about putting on the armor of God. That could be a step for a lot of you, some of you might need to get this little book. You got to figure that out. For some of you, you just got to make a fresh commitment. Last week, a lot of people were walking up to me in between services and earlier this morning saying, you know what, I've really committed myself to reading the word. It's been so helpful. I want to I challenge you now to take a verse, begin to memorize it and put it in your heart. Memorize it. Maybe that's your step. Now, can we go back to prayer one more time? I never wanna leave a weekend service without extending the invitation of salvation. Maybe you've never put on the helmet of salvation. I want you to know that Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you. And in this moment, if you wanna receive Jesus Christ, what's that mean? To let go of your sin, to repent and confess, and by faith, receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. See, you can't pay for your sin. Why? Because you're not perfect. So God sent Jesus, the only perfect individual to die and to meet the just demands of God so that you could have purpose and meaning on this life and eternity with God in the next. And if you're here today and you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ, if you wanna say, I want him to be my Lord and savior, or perhaps you've, you've just drifted away and you need to recommit, you need to come back to Jesus. If you're watching online, you can just type in, I'm giving my life to Jesus. If you're in the room today and you wanna make that decision, Would you just slip up your hand? I wanna acknowledge that. Yep, I see you all the way in the back. Yep, I see you right there, sir. Who else? Yep, over there. Where else? Any other hands? I'm gonna wait another moment. Yes, thank you. Yep, I see that hand right there. Now, yeah, I see you all the way in the back. I might've missed hands in the room. I surely can't see anybody online, but God sees your heart like I said earlier, your heart is the most important thing to God. And so you can just surrender your heart in this moment. For those of you that raised your hands, we never pray alone here. And so our church family, your church family now, because in a moment you're gonna be adopted into the family of God, reborn, born from above. So can we pray this prayer out loud together, all of us in full voice? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, I receive you. Forgiveness of my sin. I repent. I was wrong. But now I'm right. I'm new. I'm born again by faith. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a child of God. I'm a lover of God. And I'm a fighter of the enemy. And I'm a winner because of the spirit that lives inside of me. In Jesus' name and everyone who agree with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate together today? Can we celebrate what Jesus is doing today? Amen.